2: Don't have time to go on SoCal Live today? Leave Scott a voicemail at 213-537-3812. That's 213-537-3812. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern
1: California Live. I am Scott Furrow, your host. It's great to be with you today. In a minute, we have a guest from Focus on the Family, Paul Batura who's going to talk about Aaron Judge, the home run champion in the American League. But also we're going to talk about his adoption and some things we really need to understand about adoption. This is important, I think, for all of us to understand. I think you'll learn a lot from uh, this segment in a very, very important topic. It's always an important topic. But it's, a, it's especially, I think, important in light of things that we're voting on here in Los Angeles and things that uh, have impacted our nation with the overturning of Roe versus Wade and other things, not to mention the most important reason is that God wants us to take care of widows and orphans and people in distress. And this is a great opportunity for, for the church, and I think it's a really good opportunity for us to understand uh, adoption and the adoptive process a little bit better. So we're going to talk to Paul in just a couple of minutes. You can join the conversation later on by calling me at 888-528-2557. You can send me an email at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. All right. It is uh, Baseball season ended yesterday. Of course, here in the Southland, we are excited about the Dodgers, who won more games than anybody else in baseball and I think it's the fourth best winning record in the history of baseball. So at least uh, in the modern era, they say. I think the modern era begins in 1900 or something, according to those stats. And we're excited about the uh, San Diego Padres, who are in the playoffs for uh, the first time in the modern era. Well, not really not really the first time, but they've been in a few times, and it's been a little while. And uh, they begin tomorrow. Wild card begins tomorrow with the Padres. Dodgers won't start until the winner of that series, until uh, next week. But a huge story right now in baseball in the American american league is about a california boy who turned yankee grew up in linden california don't know if you knew that his name is aaron judge and he broke the american league home single season home run record yesterday and this is the call from the yankees famous announcer here's the one one swung on
0: there- Deep left, it is high. It is far. It is gone. Number 62 to set the new American League record. Aaron Judge hits his 60 second. All the Yankees out of the dugout to greet him. Just think of it. Three Yankee right fielders. The Babe hitting 60 and 27. The Jolly Roger Hitting 61 and 61. And now Aaron Judge hits his 62nd home run. The most home runs any American leaguer has hit in a single season. And the American League has been alive for 120 years. This is Judgment Day. Case closed.
1: They uh, have a lot of fun. That John Sterling, the Yankees announcer, announcer. And there's a lot of fun with his name being the Judge. So it's Judgment Day. That's why he's saying that case closed. The hashtag, if you follow that, is All Rise. And Aaron Judge even started a foundation called the All Rise Foundation. That is a great foundation. Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later. But something to really help, especially underprivileged kids, um, see their worth and their value in society. It's in. And Aaron Judge is a great story, and and something about his story that I think is so important is that to understand is that he was adopted, and you if you've been watching his home run chase, you've seen his mom Patty, uh, usually somewhere behind home plate watching these last few ones. He famously gave home run ball number sixty one. To her, and uh, it's a, it's a great moment, and there's a great story behind that. Paul Batura is the guest on our program. He is the vice president of communications for Focus on the Family. He's authored books including "Chosen for Greatness: How Adoption Changes the World," "Good Day," the Paul Harvey story, and written. Also, another book called Mentored by the King, Arnold Palmer's Success Lessons for Golf, Business, and Life. Paul and his wife, Julie, have had the privilege of adopting their three young boys, Riley, Will, and Alex. Paul, welcome to Southern California Live. Thank you. Good to be with you. Well, thank you for joining me today. And are you a baseball fan in general? I am, very much so, yeah. So you've been paying attention to what's happening uh, throughout baseball and with Aaron Judge.
3: I have. Yeah. We've been following. I'm a native New Yorker. I've been in Colorado half my life now, but for 25 years. All right. Were you in New York and yeah.
1: Were you a Yankee fan or a Mets fan?
3: I kind of went back and forth to be on both teams. I I was a New York fan. I'd like to say.
1: Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. All right. Well, you know what? Uh, It's exciting watching his record and they keep showing his mom, Patty in the stands. And it's just a great story to watch. Um, There's been a lot of social media about his adoption, and especially maybe even in Christian circles. And uh, you wrote an article in uh, The Daily Citizen uh, about this. And, you know, one of the points that you made is that we make a lot of assumptions about adoption. Can you talk about, uh, you know, you're an adoptive parent yourself. What are some misconceptions that we have about adoption, maybe beginning with maybe a misconception that we have about Aaron Judge?
3: Yeah. I mean, there's so many. And I think the biggest misconception about Aaron Judge that I've seen sprinkled about online and one that prompted me to write the piece was someone said he was adopted because his mother didn't want him. Mm. And and that struck me as an adoptive dad, as someone who has three children, two of whom we have open adoptions with their birth moms. Uh, that is almost a hundred percent. couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, birth moms desperately want to parent their children. Uh, it breaks their hearts to have to make an adoption plan, but they do it because for the most part, they know they can be moms, but they can't be both mom and dad. And, uh, in our case, those, those, those two moms that we're in constant contact with now have expressed that over and over and how satisfying it is for them to, um, be able to see their child grow up in an intact home. Yeah. And, um, Certainly, Judge is, is, is a case where he's done pretty well.
1: He has done well. Do we know what his adoption story is, or has that remained private with his family?
3: Yeah, that's been private. What we do know from what he has shared is uh, at the time he was adopted, uh, they also adopted uh, a, bio, a biological brother of his. So, you know, if, if mm. you were a little bit of a detective, you can kind of assume, given that situation, there was probably a very broken situation where the the uh, birth mother and like maybe the birth father if he was even in the picture you know just could not they were overwhelmed and they could not handle you know uh, two children let alone one so we we know he's in touch with his of course he grew up with his adopted brother and he's also his biological one
1: you mentioned uh open adoption and you said two of your three boys are in an open adoption um relationship so you that means you still have a relationship with the birth mom is that correct
3: that's right, yeah, open adoption uh, generally means everybody knows one another more likely than not it's going to be the birth mom. Birth father interactions tend to be historically much less likely, mm-hmm. um, not always by choice but just by reality. Most, yeah. a lot of birth fathers don't want to be involved, um, but we have regular contact with them and i we wish the third uh, was uh, in a relationship just because of uh, you know it's nice to be able to have equal equal access. And, and we do know our middle son who doesn't have a relationship with his birth mother, he wonders. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we don't all, we don't know everything he wonders, but we know that he must think, um, you know, I'd like to be like my brothers who know who their birth mother is. We constantly affirm him and affirm her for making the choice, but still, um, life isn't always perfect.
1: Yeah. You know, I have some experience with this and I know that there's a lot of, um, uh, misunderstanding about uh, adoption that, and, and maybe many of our listeners don't even realize how common an open adoption is. Um, Where very often the child is is given to the birth or the adoptive parents, and then there's no relationship. But I think is that increasing open adoption? Is that something that's happening more and more often today?
3: Yeah, significantly, Scott. It's gone up quite a bit. In fact, it's more the norm than not. And, you know, there are degrees of it. There are, there's, you know, straight out open, which everybody is comfortable coming over each other's homes and, you know, emails. And then there's semi-open, which you may have a mediator that you interact between or maybe, uh, you know, meet at a neutral place. So I've heard of those situations, but there's, talk to the experts. They say some degree of openness is good. uh, One, from a relational standpoint, two, just from a health standpoint, knowing what's in the child's biological past uh, Mm -hmm. when it comes to illnesses or inherited uh, issues uh, is always a good thing.
1: As you've worked in uh, this uh, world, and uh, this is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. My guest is Paul Batura and uh, Paul is with Focus on the Family. He's the vice president of communications. He's also an adoptive father. And um, as we... We think about this right now in our world, and here in California, we're having a battle over, you know, California is not going to change its laws on abortion. We're going to be a very pro-abortion state, and even more so. So this is very much in the news. Uh, we might be even more so, according to the election to the, uh, that begins here, actually, uh, next week. Uh, I think this ri- raises the the necessity of us in the church for talking about adoption and really explaining What the process is like, can you tell us what it is like to be an adoptive parent? If people in churches are listening and they're thinking, you know what, I want to adopt a kid, or we feel like we're called by the Lord to do this, what's the process like uh, when you go through it?
3: Well, everyone is a little different, um, but I can tell you it's worth it. I'd say that off the top, because the first thing most people hear about adoption is how expensive it is, Mm -hmm. and uh, that's a discouraging reality. Um, the reality is it's not as expensive as you might think. There's different forms. You could adopt out of foster care, you can adopt through different agencies that may have financial assistance. There's the federal adoption tax credit. But in terms of if you're a family and you're wanting to adopt an infant, uh, which uh, you know is is the dream of a lot of couples. there's right now about a million couples in the United States who are waiting to do an infant adoption. Um, and I always think that the statistics are interesting that there's a million abortions or so a year, and you have a million waiting couples. Um, But you you choose your agency, and um, you talk with them, and they take down your profile. They do a home study um, to make sure that you qualify, and it's not financial qualifications. It's just that, are you a good fit? Are you in a position that you should be adopting? And then you put your profile together, and then um, it's, it's, it sounds kind of crazy, but you're marketed right. to birth moms who are, um, looking to make adoption plans. And then, um, you may meet that birth mom depending upon what her wishes are and then you're matched and you can be matched months in advance. You can be matched days. Uh, one of our adoptions, we literally found out the day after our son was born. Hmm. So, you know, it, it looks differently, uh, for each person. Uh, cost-wise sometimes you're asked to cover uh, help with the cost of clothes and food and different things for the birth mom as she uh, works her way through the pregnancy and other agencies cover all of that thanks to the generosity of donors. Mm. Um, That's kind of the pre and then of course once the child is born and every state's going to be a little different. i California, I don't know about, um, I don't know how soon you can finalize an adoption but um, in Colorado, I can tell you it's six months. Um, that doesn't mean you're in legal jeopardy for six months before it's finalized. Um, they, uh, birth mom and birth father can relinquish rights sooner than that, um, but there's normally a cooling off period to make sure everything is legal and straight. And then, um, and then you're you know off to the races as as adoptive parents. And frankly, I uh, always tell people you know if you're concerned about Loving that child as much as you would a biological child, you need to get rid of that that's never going to be an issue uh, you uh, know, from couple to couple that I talked to, there is no difference between the love you feel for your adopted child and the child you may biologically have
1: I think that is a a really good word i think for for people to hear. I think that maybe some of the reason that so many uh, people end up not adopting as they have fears about things like that, or they put unrealistic you know, expectations upon themselves as parents uh, in this.
3: They do. They do. And uh, uh, the other thing that they wor- worry, I can tell you, I worried about it was whether or not um, that open relationship, since that's more the norm, how would that go? And how would uh, we be accepted? And would the birth mom uh, be constantly judging us and, and disproving of us? Um, uh, that was a concern to me, and I was, con- and er- even early on, there was some awkward conversations, meetings, and let's face it. I mean, you're, when, uh, our first meeting we had with our with, uh, Riley's birth mother, our oldest son, we were at a restaurant, we're sitting across the table, and I'm thinking, this is very uh, unique. I mean, I- I've never done anything like this before, and 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 yet I've realized over time, you know, some of the most powerful, poignant moments in life can be very awkward while while you're going through them mm. but God's grace is sufficient and you just keep walking and and asking the Lord to help you and guide you and for wisdom and um it's it's been a remarkable moment and I know adoptive parents would say the exact same thing
1: when we are thinking about uh you mentioned the the million uh, abortions a year and then a million parents waiting to adopt it is a, a fascinating statistic really um, that that is happening. When uh, we bring in that other issue, when have you had those conversations with, with birth moms at some point, probably by the time they've reached out to you, they've decided not to have an abortion. Is part of that because the, of the, the help that they are getting through the pregnancy uh, and through these processes? Is that, you know, are we able to even prevent uh, the abortion from the beginning by putting ourselves out there and mm-hmm. saying we're willing to help?
3: That's a big factor. We know from studies and from conversations and from the work here at Focus on the Family for 40-plus years now, uh, Birth. a lot of the reasons a lot of women sadly go through with the abortion is they think they can't do it. They, they think they can't. They don't have the resources. They don't have the ability. And having that support structure in place is great. Pregnancy medical clinics that are all over the country, there's over 2,500 of them, have done such remarkable work. Uh, since 2016, they've saved almost a million babies wow. by coming coming alongside women, by providing that emotional support and that counseling um, arm, and uh, it's a it's a remarkable help and it makes a difference. And we know from women who have and see an ultrasound of their children, they're exponentially more likely to carry that baby to term when they actually see the baby on the screen, yes. which is why Planned Parenthood. Literally has been known to cover the screens, turn the screens away, um, but when a woman can see that child there 's that emotional connection, and you can 't deny it 's a baby
1: it's a it's so important that we realize this you you know one of the other arguments for um you know um, abortion these days is you 're born into a poor family, your parents can 't afford you or they're not together you don 't have any you don 't have a very good statistical you know, hope of having a happy life, whatever that is. And you, when we're talking about someone like Aaron Judge, and again, we don't know his whole story, but you wrote a book about people. It was called Chosen for Greatness, How Adoption Changes the World. Uh, It's just completely a false notion, the idea that there's no hope for these children.
3: I'm so glad you said that because you're right. So many of the folks that I had the privilege of featuring in that book uh, didn't succeed in spite of being adopted, but because they were adopted Mm -hmm. Uh, people like Steve jobs, who was, um, you know, born to an unwed mother and who was, uh, placed in a family who lived in Silicon Valley and who happened to live on a street surrounded by tech people, uh, Hewlett Packard executives. And his father had a, um, workshop in the garage, worked with lasers and, uh, Steve became infatuated with that and became infatuated with the architecture in the neighborhood. And his parents just poured into him and they developed him. And, you know, there's an ongoing argument that's been going on for generations. Or is it nurture or nature? Right. And the reality is it's both. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's no doubt about it. We're, we're definitely born with a certain bent, but our parents shaped that and provide opportunity. And jobs is just one example of many. Um, and, uh, it's I I say I liken it to being adoption is like being on the verge of everything, because it gives children who otherwise would not have a chance like an Aaron Judge. He himself has said, if not for my mother, I would not be a New York Yankee. If not for my dad. I wouldn't. And it's it's so great to hear a player say that about their parents. And it's especially great to hear an adoptive child say that about their adoptive parents.
1: Yeah, I think I didn't realize, I think I'd heard, but I didn't realize in watching this that he was adopted. And I was seeing his mom and the emotion. Clearly, you know, when they first showed her on TV, I'm watching this. I immediately knew, well, that's his mom, just because of the look on her face. Mm. And uh, you said earlier that uh, adoptive parents have the same love for the adopted kid as they would their own child. What? What advice would you give a, a Christian couple who maybe right now is thinking about this, but they've they've got you know a barrier to get through? What would you tell them is their first step here?
3: Yeah, the first step I always tell people is to tell. I know it's a personal issue uh, and it's something that may seem kind of out there. Tell everybody you know that you're interested in adopting hmm. uh, or thinking about it, because uh, in our situation and many other people's situations. Uh, you know you often get connected through friends of friends that's how a lot of placements happen there are adoption agencies there are lists there are processes you go through but there are a lot of placements that would be considered private placements where people know somebody who knows somebody that's right so I would be open about that talk about it um I mentioned the financial burden and it's it, it can be significant it may sound like a lot of money it is a lot of money but, but you know where there's God, there's a way. Mm-hmm. And there are all kinds of creative ways to raise the funds. There are, you know, I mentioned the credits, there's loans, there's low, inc- you know, and there's generosity of friends and family. Um, you know, we would, if we had to do it all over again, we would do it all over again. And, um, you know, we've had to do without certain things, you know, driving old cars and, <laughs> you know, old, yep. old clothes and things like that. But uh, so what? It's been great. It's- so, the financial side of it should never come in your way. And then, of course, pray. Uh, give it to the Lord and ask Him to guide and direct, and um, I think you'll be amazed at what He'll do.
1: You're listening to Southern California Live. My guest is from Focus on the Family and uh, Paul Batura. Paul, uh, are there great resources from Focus on the Family for anybody interested right now in learning more about adoption or considering it for themselves?
3: We do. Um, thanks, God. If you go to our website, FocusOnTheFamily.com and um, type in adoption. You'll see all types of all types of things. We have an adoption referral network, which will help you find an agency, a good Christian agency that you'd be comfortable working with. Um, we recommend several by zip code by state, and um, please check it out and, and and call. Let us know how we can help, and um, we have all kinds of resources before the children arrive and then after.
1: That's on Focus on the families. Just go to focusonthefamily.com and search adoption. There are a lot of resources on there if you're listening. My guest has been Paul Batura, Vice President of Communications for Focus on the Family. Paul, thank you for joining me today and talking about this. I really appreciate it.
3: Well, thanks, Scott. And I hope the Yankees meet up with your Dodgers. Uh,
1: I do, too. That's going to be by spectacular. the end of the month. Yep, I hope so, too. <laughs> <laughs> all right. God bless you. Thank you, Paul, for all that you do at Focus on the Family. Likewise. Thanks for your partnership. All right. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. Hey, if you would like to call and share about your adoption story, we'll talk about this more when we get back. The number is 888-528-2557. You can call right now, 888-528-2557. You can also send me an email at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. Once again, FocusOnTheFamily.com is a website with a lot of resources for you, and I want to encourage you if you are thinking of adopting. Uh, to really pray about it and see what the Lord wants to do. He's going to open up those doors and make it right if it's his will for you to do that. And so don't worry. Pursue what you think God is putting on your heart with prayer. And it uh, was great advice, I think, by Paul to let people know you're thinking of it. That is great advice, because uh, that, I think, really helps you get through a bunch of stuff. i got to take a break. We'll be back for your calls, 888-528-2557. Um, Scott i will be back as Southern California Live continues.
2: This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live, Scott
1: Furrow with you today. I hope that you are enjoying your afternoon, wherever you may be. It's always good to be with you every week from 3 to 5 during the week. Every week, Monday through Friday from 3 to 5 on Southern California Live. While you're driving on the 5, we can probably come up with a whole poem about this show. I think maybe I'll do that. I'm going to write a song about this show. Hold me to it. I'll do it. I'll get that song out pretty soon. I have an idea. I'll share it another time. We're talking about uh, adoption today, and it was prompted because of uh, Aaron Judge's record uh, setting 62 home runs. You know, he's um, you might be saying, oh, I thought the record was 73. It's true that uh, Barry Bonds and uh, in the National League, Barry Bonds um, and Sammy Sosa and uh, Mark McGuire all had more in a single season on the National League side. And uh, there are some people who question that because it was during the era of performance-enhancing drugs. And, you know, that's kept Barry Bonds out of the Hall of Fame. I think that's the only reason. Uh, I think he's not in there, right, other than uh, his record is noted in there, but he doesn't have a plaque. Uh And people question that era. Well, Aaron Judge uh is not. And somebody said it was uh, Roger Maris Jr. who said that uh, Aaron Judge has the the clean players record uh, for home runs of 62, uh, which I thought was pretty interesting. That's always on the back of people's minds, right, when we're talking about these things. But I think greater than that is is Aaron Judge and the story. We talked about his, uh, the fact that he was adopted, that his mom, who you keep seeing, is his adoptive mom. And it's important to note, and I'll say it again, and this is something that uh, our guest Paul Batura in the last segment uh, was Writing about, it's a newsletter that Focus on the Family has called The Daily Citizen. It's really good on this kind of stuff. There's a great story that's going around about his adoption, but we don't really know that his mom didn't want him. You know, most of the time, even in my experience, when moms are unable to care for the child for one reason or another, it's not because they don't want the child. It's either because they're too young and there's financial reasons and they feel like they can't or there are personal problems. Often there's drugs or, um, you know, some other a personal issue like that where they really should not or cannot care for the child, but it's not always a case of not wanting to. And maybe that's a, a misnomer that we have, you know, out there. Uh, in fact, even people who I've known who've had abortions, it's not always that they don't want the child. They often feel like they're in a place where they don't have a choice. Um, sometimes they're lied to about the fact that they really do have a choice. That's a, a problem I have with the idea of pro-choice. I've told you that I don't. I don't like pro-choice or pro-life even as terms in this often because it changes the subject. I'd rather we say pro-abortion or anti-abortion so we can keep talking about abortion. Because even on pro-life, pretty soon we're talking about the death penalty or border issues or you know other issues that are important, but. It takes us takes our eye off the ball or pro choice you know so often it's one of the reasons I don't like that is that so often there's no choice really offered uh a woman who's in a crisis pregnancy. she's told, I'll oh, just have the abortion, oh, you're a great candidate for abortion, just have the abortion or you should have the abortion. It's even gone so far as to say you know this is the the empowering thing to do as a woman, and you know the choice it's not a real choice if you're not given options it's not a real choice if a sonogram is hidden from you. It's not a real choice if you're not told that there are adoption agencies and donors and different groups who are able and willing to help. For a short time, I volunteered some at a pregnancy counseling center. And I'll tell you what, lots of women came in there and with their mindset on abortion, and sometimes their mind was changed by the sonogram. But what I have seen in several different cases is the mind changed by help. Their minds changed and they chose to have the baby immediately. Like they went from immediate, you know, from bound and determined, nope, I've made my decision. I am looking to have an abortion to would you still have this abortion if your health care is taken care of and if we can help you find adoptive parents? And immediately, snap, the decision has changed. And what we find so often is that the desire to have the baby is usually there, but there's a hopelessness that often comes in, or a a, just a a thought of insecurity that I can't do it. Have you got an adoption story or a story that you want to share about your adoption or kids that you've adopted? Give me a call, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You can also send an email to SoCalLive at com, And uh, we always... Um, check out those emails. So you can send that email to SoCalLive at com. I looked up um, open adoption. We talked about that. And maybe that's something that you haven't heard of. The open adoption is, you know, so often with adoption – a, a birth mom would have the baby and then turns the baby over to a social worker who then will give the the child to the adoptive parents. And there's no meeting the the adoptive parents never meet the birth mom and birth mom never meets the adoptive parents. And that's always sealed by the, the court and all of this. And some of you have gone through the process of trying to find your birth parents. I mean, that is that's also something that is a lot more possible today because of technology and DNA and uh, the Internet. You know, people often find their birth parents and there's a desire for that. Um, Open adoption means that you do have a relationship with the birth mom and she has a relationship with the adopting, uh, excuse me, adopting parents. And that sounds when I first heard about that, I thought that just doesn't sound like a good arrangement. And that sounds like a just a place where there would be tremendous conflict and just, you know, that it would interrupt. But so often, as our guest pointed out, that's not the case. I'm, I know one case of this very personally, where I went through counseling the woman who uh, ended up uh, giving her child up for adoption. And in this case, she came to me saying, I would never think about abortion except that I am. She was afraid. She said, I ruined my life. That was her opinion. And she said, I would have never told you that I would even consider this, but I am considering it. And she was scared. She was frightened. She felt like she didn't really have any options. And the thing that changed her mind is when she learned about open adoption. So when you, when you started to peel back what that fear was about and peel back the, the anguish and the, the concern and the the difficulty of a crisis pregnancy in her particular case, the deal was, I don't know if I can go through life not knowing this child who's mine. I I can't care for this child, but I don't think I can do this. And as soon as she found out about open adoption, that she would be able to be involved in the life, you know, and that sounds weird, right? At the time, I thought, wow, I've never heard of that before. Um, It turns out that that has increased that type of adoption. When I was dealing with this person, it was a long time ago, and it was pretty rare. Now that adoption, I looked it up during the break, Is about 60 to 70% of domestic adoptions are being considered open adoptions, either where there is, um, you know, there's a written relationship that's there. And in this case, it was a long time ago, she still knows the child is an adult now. The child is a pastor. The child is in, uh, has gone to seminary and is a pastor, is leading people to Christ. And she couldn't feel better about her son. She knows the adoptive parents and been a part of their life. And uh, there have been tensions and there have been, you know, some awkward moments. But that's part of life. You know, There is. we should never be afraid of the tension that we have in life when we're doing the right thing, when we're doing something that is hard, but we know that it's right. The tension is good. The tension drives us to prayer. The tension drives us to trust in God above all things. The tension drives us to to resolve problems instead of just letting them linger. There is nothing to fear from having tension in this area or many other areas that we might deal with in our life. And, you know, being able to watch her and her son and the adoptive parents and then other people who I've seen in this grow. Another family I know, they thought they couldn't have kids and they were told they were unable to have kids. So they decided to adopt and they went through a long process. It took a long time. And they adopted a baby, and the interesting thing is right at the same time when they met the birth mom and they were going to go through her whole pregnancy with her and support her, they also got pregnant. So they ended up with two babies that were about a month apart. One was their biological child and the other was an adoptive child, and they raised them both at the same time. People thought they were twins, right? And, you know, they you can't tell the difference, um, if you look closely, you can say you don 't look as much as your mom and dad, okay, but you can 't tell the difference in the way that they 're loved you can 't tell the difference in the way these parents love their 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 biological child versus the adopted child that they have, and that has been so fun to watch and to really celebrate that. Can I encourage you if you are if you 're a young couple and you 're listening or maybe you your grandkids are your kids? you know, and there's so much infertility and other stuff today going on. And even if there's not, and you can afford it, go ahead and adopt. 33% of us couples have considered adoption, but only about 2% do. Um, I think that that number needs to go higher and it will impact things. It will lower the number of abortions where that is still legal. It will lower, uh, so many other, it will, it will help adopt so many kids who go unadopted every year. I think God is calling the church to do that. We'll talk about that here in just a moment. As we come back, you're listening to Southern California Live. The number is 888-528-2557. If you want to share your adoptive story, your story about adopting a child or being adopted, 888-528-2557. You can also send an email to SoCalLive at kkla.com. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back as the Thursday edition of SoCal Live continues.
2: Too nervous to go live on the radio with Scott Furrow? Then share your thoughts on the SoCal Live voicemail at 213-537-3812. That's 213-537-3812. Welcome back,
1: everybody. Southern California Live each and every day from 3 to 5. I'm Scott Furrow. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. We're talking about adoption, and if you've got a story about adoption you want to call, you can call and share that. You know, the scriptures are pretty clear about a couple of things related to adoption. I think one of the, the things that we have to keep in mind that matters so much is that we are adopted into the family of God. Ephesians 1.5, he predestined us for adoption of sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. And in Galatians chapter 4, Paul writes about the process, when you really get into it, about being adopted into the family of God. It's so clear that when you're adopted into the family of God, you become just like the child of God and you even become an heir. So it's not like you're adopted, but there's some other set of kids that are biological and they're going to get more or you're not separate from other people. He says in Galatians chapter four, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. And you get the kingdom of God. You're the, you're the heir to what the Lord has. And the idea that you can call out Abba, Father, the fatherless, the orphan is throughout scripture one who is mentioned as somebody who we need to pay attention to and be dedicated to. God cares deeply about those who do not have their parents. James 1.27, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. I think we spend a lot of time in, in the church, particularly evangelical churches, you know, worried about the second part of that, keeping oneself unstained from the world. And we, we talk about sins and repentance and all of that. It's good. Um, important to stay right with the Lord on these things. But we also need, and I mean to say not evangelical churches, but there seems to be kind of a, a balance that's a lot heavier on that sometimes in church. Not always. To visit orphans and widows in their affliction to be concerned that's the first things that that James mentioned. I always think about this that James is Jesus's brother. Okay, James writing this wasn't even, you know, on board right away. And you wouldn't, right? It's your it's your your older brother. You know, if you are a younger sibling, you know, what would it take for you to believe that your older sibling is God? It would <laughs> they might have thought they were or treated you as if you were some kind of uh, slave to them, but you know, James comes around, and James doesn't pull any punches. And James personally knew Jesus in a way that no one else could, as his brother. You know, the comedian Michael Jr., who's hilarious. You know, he has a whole routine about this. He talks about, you know, what did James feel like with Jesus as his brother? You know, did did Mary ever look at James and go, "How come you can't be more like Jesus?" Uh, you know, how do you deal with that? You know, when you went to a wedding and the wine ran out, did people look at you and go, well, your brother last time did this. Uh, can you help us out? Um, this is such an important message throughout throughout the scripture. And both that we're adopted, the two things are that we're adopted by the Lord, that this adoption theme is a big part of who we are as believers and in the Lord, but also in what we are to do. I had a meeting one time at the beginning of of internet relationships, right? The, the what I mean by that is people who meet on the internet, did you meet your spouse on the internet or somebody that you dated, you know, would you admit it? It's gone through an evolution where right now people sort of admit it. Right now there's terrible ways to meet people for all the wrong things, you know, with certain apps and things. And, but there are a lot of couples, I think at one point it got up to 40% of married couples met online. They met on eHarmony or one of these websites. And But I I also found in counseling couples that a lot of people had another story that they didn't, you know, when people say, how did you meet? You know, well, we met at a restaurant or we met somewhere else and, you know, we met here. They didn't mention that they met there because they met online first and that's where they met, right? Now I think that's uh, whatever stigma is there is gone. But when this was new, when online dating was new, you know, I'm not even sure it was okay at all. Well, I met with this guy. My first ministry was a young adult ministry, so mostly young single people, and he wanted us to promote his brand-new online dating thing. And I remember him saying to me, we were, meeting at, we were eating at a restaurant. The restaurant was in San Diego. It was called DZ Aikens. You ever go there? It's amazing. Uh huge restaurant. The menu, it'll take you longer than this entire show to read that whole menu. There's so much on there. We're sitting there, and he says to me, He's encouraging me that we need to get these people married. And then he actually said this. He said, we need to get Christians married. And I remember this 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 images in my mind because I was staring at my sunny-side-up eggs on my plate with my fork, about to take a bite. And he says, we have to get Christians married so that we can preserve the Christian race. I didn't look at him. I just kept looking at the eggs and these two sunny-side-up eggs like eyeballs looking back at me. And I'm a historian, right? You know, that statement just raises all kinds of red flags. And then I remember just stirring around for a minute, my eggs. And I, I said, well, there's no such thing as a Christian race. And I said, you know, maybe Christians ought to not have kids. Maybe they ought to adopt. And I was just kind of upset at the way he phrased that and the whole notion of a race. And by the way, we're not going to promote your ministry if that's your, your thought about it. And we didn't, um, and you know what? It's great to have kids. It's a wonderful thing if you can. But if you can't, or even if you can, you know, I think what we're called to adopt or we're called to even participate in it so that if, if there's somebody in your church who is saying, gosh, we feel like we're called to adopt, but we can't afford it, or we don't know what to do or we're going to need help. Entire churches can come together. You know, if you've got a few families together and say, okay, you adopt, but we will help pay the bills. We will help the birth mom in the process the Lord will do amazing things and bless that. I want to encourage you to think along those lines that if God, if something in your heart is saying, we need to adopt, tell people, tell people in your church, tell people what your fears are, what your hurdles are. You know, uh, if you are carrying a child, you found out you're pregnant, it's a crisis pregnancy. You don't think you can carry the, you got to tell somebody, tell somebody who can help and tell somebody who won't just steer you to terminate the pregnancy. But instead, we'll say, how do we care for this child? You have no idea who that child might wind up becoming and how your child is so valuable. Uh, I want to encourage you that way. 888-528-2557. Oh. Uh, devoria, welcome to Southern California Live. Where are you calling from? Uh, devoria, do you have your name right?
4: devoria that's right.
1: Hi, devoria Where are you calling from?
4: Uh, Lakewood, California. I'm sorry.
1: All right, no problem.
4: of driving.
1: Yeah, huh? yeah, no problem. Uh, what are your thoughts here on our subject here?
4: This is the thing: is I have my great niece. I've been keeping her since she was four weeks old, which mm. she's been getting ready to be seven. And her parents are like non-existent. Yeah. And my brother, her grandfather, he has legal guardianship of her, and he had he he got her and he got she sick. Okay. Well, he was sick, and so I up to take care of her for him, but it's been like almost seven years now, and I just want to adopt her, because my nephew went to jail, he begged me to keep her while he was in jail, I did, he's been out a whole year, and to this day, right today, I'm looking for both of the parents, to to like, I just want them to just agree, and just let me have her already, and let me get, you know, free me and this child from this.
1: Yeah, and
4: And it's, it's a lot. And, I, and I've been calling different attorneys and, you know, and I want to know, I'm waiting on one to call me back now because I'm like, I need to know where to start. Do I just go to court? What do I do? I just show up. What?
1: Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Do you know the where the parents are? No. So you don't even know. So she's, no. so your your grandfather has legal custody now.
4: Right. Even my brother doesn't know where his son is. I, I've been, I've said, have you heard from him? Because he was when he first got out. He, the mother hasn't, we haven't heard from her since March 2nd of this year. The dad, we haven't heard from her till she just graduated to first grade in June. That was the last time we heard from him. Okay. And she's been texting him on, trying to FaceTime him, and she goes, Mom, you know, he's not answering, so we, you know, we pray because she's a little worried about him. But then my brother said he hasn't heard from him, and and I'm like, I I know nothing. I'm just the aunt as a babysitter, basically.
1: Right. But you are raising the child.
4: Oh yeah, She's been before. She was four weeks old. Yeah. Right? Ready to go to first grade now.
1: Okay. Well, first
4: she's he, baby.
1: Yeah. First of all, thank you for doing that. Like whatever oh, happens, yeah. your impact in her life she'll never forget, and she'll always be grateful. So thank you for doing that.
4: You know what I tell? I said you are you are my mama's great granddaughter. If she knew her how bad her great grandmother wanted grandkids and great grandkids. I, I I just can't believe this is happening to one of hers. Yeah. And I wouldn't see her being with anyone else, not even with her parents now, because I don't trust them.
1: Yeah. Well, and you don't know where they are. So um, there's a there's a legal path that you're going to have to walk through, and you're going to need some help. Okay. So let me give you um, a couple of things. You have Internet access? I sure do. Okay. Okay. Um, What you need to do is, if you go to Focus on the Family, that's who we talked about, org, and type in adoption, there's a lot of resources there for you, okay? Okay. And there are lots of Christian services, okay? Uh, There's Bethany Christian Services, a lot of Christian adoption agencies, and what you need to do is explain the situation, and they'll help you get somebody. And if you're struggling to find a right place... Then I want you to email me soCal Live at KKLA dot com. Okay, I'm Scott Furrow, the host of Southern California Live. Oh and I'll so send you time. I'll send you something. I know you can't write that down right now. Just remember you're listening to to uh, you're probably listening to KKLA oh, I, in Los Angeles.
4: I this radio station. My radio never
1: changes. All right, good for you. <laughs> it's on it's on all oh, six God. presets, just KKLA. <laughs> all right. Would you do that? I'm I'm, I'm going I'm coming up on a hard break, but I wanna help you get some help, okay? So uh
4: I'm gonna do this right in the car.
1: Okay, don't crash your car or anything, but you can uh, e- just send me an email so I know who you are, so live at KKLA dot com.
4: I'll do it right now.
1: Okay. Thank you very okay. much, uh, Devoria, and thank, thank you for what you're doing for your niece, your great niece. Oh
4: thank God bless you, thank you, thank you, thank you. All right. Okay, all right. Thank
1: you Devoria. Thank you very much. All right, we are this is Southern California live and I know there's a lot of people listening who are in the same situation. You know, it, there's a lot of legal challenges, um, but don't be afraid of them. Take a first step and ask God for help. If you need help, financial help, you need, you know, God, there are people out there who will help you. Um, so pray and ask God for that help and get started and see what the Lord will do i got to take a break. This is Southern California Live. We'll be back for Hour 2. I'm going to ask you, what would you buy for $44 billion when we get back? I'm Scott Furrow. The Thursday edition of SoCal Live continues